0: Welcome to Literature for Life, part of the Femme On podcast collective. My name is Jess and I am a writer and a blogger and a storyteller um, and I love, love, love speaking to wonderful individuals about their experiences um, and this is the very first episode of Literature for Life, a podcast where I speak to a wonderful guest about a story, a piece of literature that has stayed with them, something that has had a profound impact on them. So my wonderful guest today is Dr. Krista Bose. She is a writer, a blogger, an artist, a craftsperson, and <laughs> most importantly of all, a dear friend to me. Um, and I'm so grateful that she has agreed to pilot this new thing with me. (laughs) Carissa, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me and for letting me come and talk to you about books. I love it. I'm so excited.
0: Oh, I am so excited too. How are you today? How's your day been?
1: I'm good. I've had a long day at work. As you said, I'm I'm a junior doctor, so I had a day on the wards today and then I came home and had a nice hot bath and I I've been rereading the piece that I'm going to talk about today. So I finished reading the play in the bath. So it was a really wholesome evening.
0: Wow, that sounds amazing. You've also got the best bath I think I've oh, ever come across.
1: It's like a freestanding tub and it's just glorious. Very nice. It's like massive
0: and it's got like a roll top. It's like one of those fancy classic baths. Yeah. I'm so I'm I'm actually dog sitting for Krista from tomorrow and I am so
1: excited to have a bath <laughs> the bath is epic I'm not gonna lie it's like the place of just just so nice and cuddly and the bathroom is huge as well yeah it's bigger than our bedroom nearly it's, it's definitely a good rental
0: <laughs> it's bigger than my whole flat
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't so. know how we learned today. we've chosen this for the bathroom. <laughs> So I
0: told our future listeners a little bit about you, but why don't you um, tell them a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, Um, my name's Krista. Uh, I, Like I said, I'm a junior doctor. I'm currently working on a stroke ward, which is quite exciting and eventful. And I've been on call over Christmas, so that was crazy. I know there's a lot of change happening in the junior doctor's world right now and a lot of... um, concern being raised and maybe that's a good thing because it's sparking a lot of conversation I'm I'm also a blogger I write a blog called squashing my sarcoma because I I also have um, stage four uh, bone cancer osteosarcoma um which is uh, actually very well managed (laughs) crazily enough and yeah I love to travel I've got a beautiful sprudel dog called Gatsby and I'm looking forward to getting married this year in Mallorca. So, yeah, all exciting things coming.
0: So many exciting things. And I just want to plug, well, at the end, we'll plug your blog, which is Yay. amazing. Krista is an Thanks. excellent writer. But also, I, I I think it's only fair that we mention that Gatsby has his <laughs> <own> Instagram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe Don't ever that. leave that. Mr. Yes. G... I believe it's at Gatsbury the Sprudel. So if anyone wants some <laughs> high quality Instagram Sprudel content, they must absolutely yeah. go and check that out.
1: I um, love a Sprudel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, brilliant. So what are we here to talk, to talk about today? Which piece of literature would you like to chat about?
1: I'm so excited to talk about a play called Death and the King's Horseman uh, by Wole Soyinka. So, I think it's pronounced Sochinka. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible play that I read um, many, many years ago and it's definitely stuck with me for like a de- at least a decade and I always come back to it and think about it so it's a good one to read. Um, a bit heavy and a lot of like big topics and big themes uh, but but really beautifully written and really profound and impactful after you've read it.
0: Yeah, I must admit, when you told me about it, I was like, right, I'm going to do this podcasting properly. I'm going to read this play. <laughs> and I I was like, I'm just going to read it before I get asleep. And I, I had to keep rereading sentences and bits in the play, because like you said, the language, like it's it's almost like reading a series of poems together that that mm. that whole like they hold a lot of meaning like it, every word mm. every like every little bit of this play holds so much meaning so you can't just read through it I can't just like get through it in a couple of days because you read it and you and you and then you're like wait what 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 did that mean let me read it again I think I know what they mean and so I was like oh I'm never gonna read this <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a really yeah it's not an easy read it's not like something you can just breeze through quickly um I think because each word is chosen with such care throughout the whole play it's not that long it's only about 100 pages but I really agree that the the way that it's written is like poetry and you have to really delve into it's like the golden compass. There's like an initial meaning and then a deeper meaning and then a deeper meaning. And I love that about it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, okay. So do you want to give us a, a sort of quick overview of, um, of what this play is about?
1: Yeah. So without giving away any spoilers, the premise of this play is um, it's based in Nigeria in the 40s. Uh, it's based during World War II. And it's during a time when there were some British... Uh, People from the army and different regiments stationed in Nigeria and they have sort of a residency there. And it takes place between the life of some of the residents in the british occupied village and also some of the local Nigerian uh, villages and one in particular where the, where the king of this people, this Yoruba people, lived during the time. actually based on a true story which blows my mind Um, and it's uh talking a lot about the king which is not a surprise he's passed away the yoruba king and the people have a culture that tries to honor their king and traditional practices that they always do when a king dies and the british people that are in town they don't really respect the practices and there's sort of a butting of heads about how it should play forward and uh the the British sergeant or the the gentleman that is stationed in in Nigeria he tries to get involved and there's a lot of moving parts and different people involved and it's sort of like a clash of cultures in a really interesting way.
0: Yeah I think even just from your description I think it's easy to tell that this is touching on something quite, um, it's touching on quite a big topic. Like there's a lot of emotion attached, I think
1: already, because you're talking
0: about, um, I mean, it, it, is it colonialism? My history's not great. Oh yeah.
1: yeah, it definitely is. There's a lot of like, there's a big theme of colonialism. There's also themes of like patriarchy and um, that's really apparent. And I think sort of those can overlap at times. And then there's also the theme of death and dying, and that's really significant throughout the novel. So there's like a lot of, there's a lot of different themes and uh, in the Nigerian, the, the people in the Yoruba culture, they talk a lot about the continuum of life and not necessarily death being final, but about the unborn and the living and the dead and the dead still impacting the ways of and the life of the living. Um, so there's lots of different really heavy emotional topics and I know that people reading or listening might you know have a strong opinion about some of these topics and that's okay but it's really interesting to see just how they're interpreted throughout the play.
0: Yeah no absolutely Um, so so why did you choose this piece because it sounds it sounds incredibly interesting and it sounds like you said like it touches on a lot that there's a lot to pull apart with this piece um Mm. it's not it's not just a kind of it's not your typical sort of it's not like a novel that you read when you're lying on the (laughs) beach you know like no
1: Um, I I read it I read it for the first time uh when I was living in Canada about 10 years ago I think I was trying to work it out and I was doing an English literature major so it was given to me as an assignment. Actually, I didn't find it, and no one, no one had like recommended it to me by a friend. It was, it was on the, the reading list for my one of my courses, and as soon as I read it, I, I remember actually reading the words and having it like it sounds so cliche, but having epiphanies and being like, oh my god, of course, of course this is true, like, and the story itself and the cultural practice that is talked about a lot in the play. Um, it, it was like astounding to me to wrap my head around it and to, and to have respect for a culture that wasn't my own and to appreciate it for what it was. I mean, it's not mine, and you know, I, but I feel like I gained a lot of like, perspective and learning to respect other cultures from reading this book. It was before I really um, travelled anywhere. I was living in Canada. Um, I'd only really lived in North America or in England before, And I read this book before I lived anywhere else in the world. And after I read this book, I went on to live in a lot of different countries. And it really, I think, gave me a gift of learning to always appreciate different cultures and different practices and different traditions. And just because, you know, you have your own way doesn't mean your way is better. It's like everyone can respect each other's traditions and ideas. And that was really important to me after I I read it
0: yeah no that that makes a lot of sense and I think especially for me because I know because I know you personally um so I know how much you try how much you like to travel um and I I know that so like so just for a bit of context me and Krista met in Shanghai um (laughs) where we had the, the 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 two most wonderful crazy months of our lives um and it was very much a kind of we were in a a sort of completely different culture and loving it for that, for that very reason. Like Mm, it was like, I am in the middle of something that is almost completely different to what I grew up in. And I'm just loving being immersed in it. And I think, um, so it's no surprise to me that, that, you know, this, that that is one of the things that stuck out to you the most is Mm. that kind of appreciation of a culture that is not yours
1: and also appreciation for something it's really interesting that part of the the play they talk about how you know we do they talk a lot about death and dying and so for example one of the examples in in the play is when uh, a British soldier it's not a big part of the play it's not a spoiler but one of the British soldiers uh this, he's a, a naval officer on a big ship and there's a problem on the ship and the ship is due to like explode or something and basically somebody has to be there to to press the button for the ship to to like self-destruct to go down with the ship basically and in the the story it's like a small side story the captain of the ship gets all the the other people off all the other officers and all the other people on the boat and he takes the ship far away from land and the ship you know he's the one to go down with the ship he allows it to go up into smoke and sink or whatever and the way that the people speak about their captain after this event takes place is almost with this awe like oh what a noble honorable person that you know he's gone down with the ship and the side story which is quite important for, for the play is that um, in the in the local uh, Nigerian village they have a a king that has passed away and every king in their culture has what they call a horseman which is a person that is chosen from birth to live life side by side with the king and basically lives life as a king is a brother to the king and has all these wonderful like foods and drinks and experiences because he's lived life as a king and in the tradition when the king dies the horseman will then will himself to die to join the king and the British people that are living in the similar area at the time in, in their residency, they're very, very angry that, that the horsemen would choose to die and not live. And they consider it a suicide, whereas their people think of it as like a very noble thing. And it's similar to how the British just described their captain that went down with their ship. And it's, it's almost how if you say something in a different context or with a different culture, it... It's really easy for people to judge one another when really we do we sort of have, I don't know, we have we all have similar values of honour and we all honour our dead in different ways. And I, I feel like I'm rambling now, but yeah, it's it's really interesting to see how these two different cultures are depicted and to think, think about um how the book can portray things in really different ways and make you really appreciate different cultures even if they're they're not your own or the practices are different
0: yeah I mean I absolutely don't think that you were rambling that um, <laughs> that all makes complete sense to me um and I wonder if it, because earlier you said um one of the key themes of this was patriarchy um hmm. and one of the things and I I only read like the first two or three pages but I'm keen to hear your thoughts on on sort of how you think that that kind of patriarchy plays out in terms of how how women are portrayed in this Mm. in this play
1: it's really interesting because I think both in like the contrasting um lives that you're watching you see the lives of sort of this British um uh, this British, I don't know if he's a captain or this British, like, person of power, I suppose, and his wife, Jane, she's in the story, in the play, and he's very dismissive of her, and he sort of puts her down, and she's almost in the play to be as, like, a sounding board for this, this officer to sort of tell her what he wants her to do, and and even though she almost seems there just to act as the the sort of sounding board and to make him look like a full character, she does go on to notice things that he doesn't. And it's really interesting because the way that she's portrayed is always as less than, and she calls him boss a lot and he talks down to her a lot. But actually when you read between the lines, you see that she's picking up on things that he's not even noticing, but the patriarchy is very blatant throughout. And then similarly with the Yoruba people that you get to see a bit of their lives and, the king's horseman, this this gentleman that has been living this life of privilege, he has many different wives. And before he has the final act of willing himself to die, to, to follow with his king so his king doesn't go to the afterlife alone, he says to the women in the village that he would like to take another bride so that he could leave his seed for another, like, because he doesn't want to die with his seed being wasted. Honestly, it's so, so so it's the patriarchy it's crazy (laughs) but um they they don't want to agree at first and they're like well you you would you would take a bride and then basically get like have sex with the bride and impregnate the bride and then you're going to go and die and how is that fair to her because then she'll be left without a partner without a husband without a father and he says you know I am the horseman and I'm this powerful figure and you have to kind of give me what I want and so it's awful in the sense that they all just kind of agree. They're like, yeah, you, because you're this great, powerful man and you're the father and, you know, you're this wonderful being. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just let you have this woman. And it's like she's not a possession to be had. And so it's, it's, it's sad for her. Um, and you, you, I, I always wonder, like, you know, she must – I wonder how she was feeling or – because she wasn't supposed to marry him and she was actually betrothed to another person and she ends up Um, ends up having to go along with this king, this horseman, because they've all sort of just laid it upon her. So in both cultures, you see sort of mirroring patriarchy taking place, and obviously in different ways. uh, But in in both of the sort of different cultures, you do see a lot of the women are the most insightful characters, and they pick up on a lot of things, and they mention a lot of things that the other characters don't notice. And I think if you read the play, and if if you if all the characters had listened to what the the ladies were saying, that the play it would have ended very differently. Because you know the British the British man's his wife, uh, she suggests like you know you, you need to listen to where people are coming from, and you need to respect yes them in different ways to respect their culture in small ways, not in big ways, but in small ways. And similarly on the on the opposite side, you have the, the Aruba women that are that are advocating for their culture and for their traditions. So when the British come to interfere with the King's grand sort of, uh, he's following the King into the afterlife, this big sort of, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a big, uh, tra- not a tradition. Like ceremony? Ceremony is the word I'm looking for. They're having a big ceremony and they basically the, the, the British, uh, army people and the police and all of them they come and they intervene and they stop the ceremony but the women are trying to explain they're, they're sort of standing at the gateway saying don't come in you know you don't have a place here this is our place this is our right this is our culture and our tradition and so yeah it's sad to see that nobody listens to these women who have so much knowledge and they they carry all this wisdom from generation to generation and they're the mothers and the you know the ones that are preparing all the rites of passage and it's sad to see them overlooked in in both cultures but I mean I guess it's not surprising given that the era that it was written in.
0: Yeah I, and I, I I'm keen to I'm, I'm, I'm keen to talk about the kind of era that it was written in but I mean just what you were saying it it, it struck me that it's often hard when you are reading something or learning about another culture it's hard not to project your own understanding of your culture and what patriarchy means to you or plays out in your life it's hard not to project that onto someone else's culture and be like no that's wrong because you don't know you don't know the nuances of it you don't know the nuances of their culture and their traditions and their religion and what, what you might perceive as like a patriarchal structure or you know inequality or anything like that to them it might not play out in that same way objectively it might be um yeah um, you know it, it might be a sort of imbalance of power but you also need to you know be respectful uh, so, so it's 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 all wrapped up together isn't it, it, it it's such yeah. a tr- thing to try and um to try and understand which is I guess why they gave this to you as an English <laughs> assignment I think
1: that's that is such a good point as well because definitely like I think I'm looking at it with the mind of a like a, a 90s baby and somebody from our generation looking back and thinking oh that's not quite right is it but who's to? I think that's the whole point of the book is who's to say what is right and what is wrong and you cannot You cannot take what your perception of the world is and apply it to someone else's life and I think that's the underlying theme is the the, the message to take home is that you can never judge someone else's life or the way they live it or you know their culture their religion and I think yeah what you said is very true
0: and I wonder um I think so so I'm keen to know kind of so you, you talk about this was a sort of assignment for you when you were um studying English Lit um but I th- can we talk a little bit more about kind of where exactly you were in your life when you first when you first read this sort of yeah. you've, talk, you've, you've talked about it having quite a, you know sort of cause helping you to have like a, an epiphany but I, I'm I'm interested to know kind of if you sort of set the scene almost of, of, of where you were when you first read it and like what that meant for the impact that it had on you
1: I was I was I think about 20 um I was in university in Canada and I was in an abusive relationship at the time I'd never really traveled or um I, I was living in Canada and my parents were living in in China and I visited them but I hadn't really lived anywhere differently and I went to school and I when I was applying for university I told my parents that I wanted to be an artist and if I'm honest they said no "No." and they said you're not going to go to school to be an artist you need to you know I think my dad was very practical with you know with love and care he said you know that's a that's a great hobby but I want you to pursue something that you can always fall back on, which is one way of thinking. And, um, and then I, I was doing biology and a lot of medical sort of pre-medical things. I I'm, I'm you know, in medicine now, but I wanted to do something for myself, which is how I ended up convincing them that I could do this biology major, but I thought I could take on a second major and do an English language and literature major. And this would be kind of like my, my escape from doing the biology which I was okay at but I, I didn't really love and then I I got to go into this you know sort of artsy world of English literature and language and um, and it was a great escape and obviously I didn't have a great time in my personal life because I was in a, quite a bad relationship and my parents lived abroad so they weren't nearby and, and I had some family in a different part of Canada but nowhere really nearby and I feel like this was the first of my feelings of sort of reading as an escape and reading is where I can go to 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 explore and to see more of the world and I always knew that I wanted to travel and to see lots and lots and lots of the world Uh, and I think perhaps that started when my parents first moved to China because I I visited when I was 18 and that was the first time I'd ever done a, a trip sort of abroad we didn't have a lot of money growing up so we never went abroad really um we went maybe camping in Canada places but never really on trips abroad so I think reading sort of sparked this fascination with history and culture and travel and traveling with consciousness and not just traveling um I don't know, sort of without taking into consideration where you were going. Yes. And not, not just going in, into somewhere for the weather alone, like looking yes. into the, the culture and appreciating the, the language and the food and the people and learning. Because every time you travel, all you're doing really is learning. And, yeah, so I, I think this was one of the books where I read it and I was like, wow, like the world is so wide and I know so little and it's so interesting to see different different walks of life and read these stories of different times and different cultures and different peoples and it really did feel like a bit of an escape for me and I felt like yeah I felt really empowered by reading it and I felt like this is gonna sound so like I don't know silly but I felt like it made me feel smarter doing my English literature degree than it than my biology or my math degrees ever did. I just felt more, I don't know, emp- empowered by what I was learning.
0: That's incredible. That that is incredible. That is why I want to have these conversations. Because I, th- yeah. I I think people underestimate the the true impact that something like this can have on a person. you know and and like all due respect to your dad you know well you know I understand he was like you know being a doctor is great (laughs) and you're like yeah but you know words are nice too like being a doctor is great Uh, and being a doctor is great but you know something like this can also have such a profound impact on people it can change the way that people live their lives which sounds like is exactly what it did for you
1: i I don't think, this is interesting, I don't think if I hadn't done the literature major that I would have become a doctor. Really? Yeah, because that's a really interesting thing to say. And I've only kind of realized this in the process of talking about it. But I did it almost as this way to escape. And it really brought me an understanding of the importance of connection and people and talking and communicating. And that is my whole job. My whole job is communicating and talking and connecting and people. And I, I think that when you read and when you learn about other cultures and when you travel and you do all these things that you you're actually just learning and you're learning more about yourself. And yeah, I think that's really empowering, more so than learning about something factual and measurable and precise.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think. I I totally agree and again this is coming from a personal point of view because I know you so well Um, but you really are such a people person in the nicest way of, of of that like you're 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 very you you're very good at communicating with people you're very good at listening to people I honestly think a lot of people don't know how to like properly listen to someone or make, they make them feel like they're listened to. And I, mm. so it's, it, it makes a lot of sense to me um, that, that you would draw that from an English lit, you know, and from this play as well. um, And so, and so I'm, I'm keen to know sort of, you've probably already said a lot about this, but like why you think you keep coming back to it? Cause I mean, well actually have you do you think you've come back to this play more than once or is this your first time reading it? oh no
1: I've read it so I first read it about 10 years ago but I've definitely read it three or four times Um, and I talk I think about like it comes to my mind a lot and I think I think it's really interesting the way it it portrays death and obviously as a cancer patient not to be morbid but I've thought about death a lot in my life I've got um, advanced like stage four bone cancer, which is quite aggressive and it's not got a good prognosis, if we're honest. I mean, touch wood, I'm doing really good right now. But I have thought a lot about death in my life and I wasn't brought up with a religion um, of sorts. And although I think that I'm a very spiritual person, I think having a religion offers people a lot of comfort. And often I feel envious of people who have that source of comfort by thinking, for example, like, you know, when I die, I will go to heaven is a wonderful thought to have. And I, I found in the past myself feeling envious of people who had that certainty or had that sort of safe mind space, which I've never had. And, books like this this play I mean it really from a young age long before I even had cancer got me thinking a lot about death and dying and basically the premise in this play is that the tradition in the culture of the Yoruba people was that the horsemen followed and then that carried on sort of the legacy of the ancestors and the wisdom would be perpetuated and then the next king would be born and the next horseman would be born and they would all follow in this lineup and it was a really beautiful way to portray something that I think in our culture is often seen as like quite scary and morbid and taboo and don't talk about it. But it was something that this culture sort of accepted and it was, it was done in a a ceremonious way. And it was, it was talked about really beautifully. Like when you read the way that the the Yoruba, Yoruba characters discuss their, their traditions, it's, not a scary thing or like a you know a hard thing it's a it's like an honor it was an honor for this king and the other really cool thing is that this was a a real a tradition i'm not sure if it's still practiced today but when the book was written this actually happened um some um the some of the you know british agents had actually gone and stopped one of the horsemen from um from willing himself to die but the thing that blows my mind is that there are people in this in this culture that follow this tradition that can will themselves to die but you know that have sound physical bodily health and they go into this sort of trance and they choose without you know without any weapons or any you know there's no there's no force or it's just they're choosing to die to follow their king into their afterlife and that to me is just Something astonishing, because this, this, I mean, this is the, this is happening. I mean, this is a thing that has happened. And to me, it's, it's so hard for me to, to wrap my head around that, because I think it's, um, yeah, it's just astonishing that someone could do that. And you must have to have such will and such sort of self-awareness to be able to do something like that. And I, I think, think
0: yeah, you've got to have an incredible. You've got to be incredibly mindful, like yes, you've got to be incredibly in 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 connection with your body and what's happening with your body, and be completely, one hundred and ten percent focused and certain of what yeah. you want. Like it almost seems like the ultimate form of mindfulness. <laughs> it to put it in a really crude way, you know, like you've got to really be completely focused on what is happening in your body and what you want to happen in your body.
1: Yes, wow. and it's really just interesting because the way that it, the practice is described, it's like this complete honor for the horseman and the king to go together. And obviously the, the Westerners view this as a suicide and they're very much against it. And they, they try to prevent it from happening and trying to stop it. Um, and another interesting character in the play is the son, of the horseman, the firstborn son, who, um, you know, when the horseman dies, is due to take over the role and be the next horseman, the next king. In the play, this horseman's son, he's called Olunde, he actually travels to England with the help of some of the British people that are living in Nigeria. They meet him and they, they help him go to England to go to medical school to become a doctor. Oh, wow. So, so his, his character in this play is like, I think his was the character that I resounded with most. And his quotes are all the quotes that I had, like a, epiphany quotes with. And um, it was just incredible to see this character that had gone away, you know, uh, was trained to become a doctor, had learned so, so many different things um, on his travels and in his life. And when he returns back during this, this big ceremony, he he says to the, to the Jane, the wife of the, the, the men and the British men, he says to her, you know, just because it, it is your way doesn't mean it is better. And he still has like complete devotion to his traditions and to his culture. And I, I always felt that that was like such a really empowering, like just what a powerful thing to go away and to learn about other cultures. And just because you learned another culture or You know, just I think the the British people in the play expect that he should also be against the the death of his father based on, you know, having spent time in in England. But he still has a very deep appreciation and understanding of his, his, you know, where he's come from and his culture and their traditions and why this is so important to them.
0: Wow. I mean, it sounds like I I completely agree with you when you say death is painted is a very um almost taboo like people don't want to talk about it like I think earlier you said oh sorry to be morbid because that's what we feel like we have yeah. to say we have we feel yeah. like we have to say that in a conversation that mentions death just in case we make other people feel uncomfortable even though mm. death is very much a part of life right like death happens as much as life happens and so um I'm always I'm always incredibly drawn to pieces of literature that are very honest about that um and it sounds like this goes one step further and and, and celebrates celebrates that in a way you know mm. um so so yeah the, I mean it's it, this I can understand why you you know why you keep coming back to this piece because it sounds incredible mm. and it, I definitely think I'll uh, push forward and try, and try. <laughs> maybe not for bed but I'll try and read. Um, crack on and read it but
1: there are some adaptations where you can actually watch the play oh really yeah you can watch it on I think if you google it or something you might be able to find a a video of it so maybe that's easier
0: that would be awesome um okay so then my my kind of sort of last question on this then is who do you think would benefit from reading it and I don't mean sort of like like individuals but like just sort of people going through life. Who do you think would benefit from reading this?
1: I think I think to read this book, uh, I don't know, I, I think it could be for this play, it could be for anyone really that that wants to sort of if the words are beautiful and um, and it's really sort of poignant and and there's a lot of depth to it and I think I don't know anybody who wants to just think outside of where they are right now I suppose if they just need a different perspective or just I don't know I think anyone anyone who likes to read could read this this play and benefit from it and learn and I think if you come to it with an open mind you don't have to agree you know with anything or it's not for your approval it's just for your sort of appreciation I think that's Um, really
0: key it's not for your approval
1: yeah I think think think, that is really key yeah it's just just to appreciate a different perspective and to see um yeah just uh, yeah different part of the the world as you know it it's interesting
0: yeah oh brilliant um Krista, thank you so much for chatting with me today, for being my <laughs> very first person, and for doing it after an a shift as a junior doctor <laughs> in the NHS. <laughs> Yay! Oh, um, so before we uh, before we wrap up, um, I just uh, do. You, is there anything that you'd like to promote, or anything you'd like to, um, you know, tell our listeners about? So, like, where can our listeners find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> I've got a blog called squashing my sarcoma um, it's about working as a junior doctor with bone cancer and um, I like to put poems and little anecdotes yeah. and things on there and um, it's not like frequent posting but yeah if you like writing and poems and just different perspectives on the world maybe you'll find some light there
0: yeah i I 110% agree with that I think everybody listening to this if you've enjoyed our conversation I think you'll absolutely adore Krista's blog so I'll put all of those wonderful details in the I believe we call them show notes (laughs) (laughs) um I'm so podcast (laughs) um and yes and I'll do the same with um, the Femon Collective Instagram. Um, I have a little blog called Six Hundred Words for Life as well, so I'll pop that in as well. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. This has been such an incredible, not only an incredible chat, but a, an incredible first chat for Literature for Life. So thank you.
1: You're so welcome. Thanks for for allowing me to come on and chat to you. And yay, go reading. Yay.